Cool 97 Radio Singles live on the nation's coolest, Cool 97 FM. Tonight's topic, trading in hypertension for a healthier lifestyle. And this is part two. Part one, we looked at trading in diabetes for a healthier lifestyle. And so we're moving into hypertension tonight. And we have with us Tahuti, who is absolutely no stranger to Cool 97 FM with us once more. Tahuti, how are you doing? Very well, I'm doing thanks. Um, are you, you're not getting a feedback, you're good on your end? I'm great, I'm fine. How are you on your end? Um, Dre, turn, turn on the music. A slight feedback on my end. Hmm. Yes. Any better? Yes, a little bit better. Okay. All right, so we're talking about hypertension tonight. Mm-hmm. The big question for a lot of us, we know it's something that we've heard about for many, many years. Um, we hear our parents talk about it, friends, relatives. It's just one of those um, non-communicable diseases that is so prevalent in our society. But for those persons who have heard about it and don't know what no, nothing much other than you have you you, it, you you have high blood pressure. What is hypertension in the simplest form that you can put it? Okay. Um, when the blood flows to the arteries, it exerts a pressure on the walls of the artery. If that pressure is consistently high and we determine what high is then we define that as high blood pressure mm-hmm. so. um when your heart beats it beats and then it rests the pressure when it beats is higher than the pressure when it rests which is purely obvious mm-hmm so the pressure when it beats is a higher pressure than when it rests. The pressure when it beats is called the systolic pressure. And the pressure when it rests is called the diastolic pressure. In considering hypertension, we look at both pressures. So hypertension is defined in terms of having a systolic pressure of over 140 and the diastolic pressure over 90. I'm hearing a slight feedback. I'm all right with it, but I'm worried about your listeners. No, I don't think the listeners are hearing. I think I, I don't think the listeners are hearing that. So I'm going to ask them, um, especially our listeners who are joining us on the World Wide Web, are you get hearing okay. a feedback? Um, because I don't think that they're hearing it. Um, so let's let's proceed. I'm I'm trying to figure out. I'm I'm good on my end. I just want to ensure that you are okay. I'm okay. Right, right. I I I, I I'm I, trying I, to. I mean, I hear myself speaking in echo after, but I can work with it. Okay, as long as you're not getting a feedback that is disturbing. Okay. All, All right. right. So I'll watch it and as we go by, I'll let you know. 
Our listener says that they're hearing well. They're hearing okay. All right, great. All right. So let's proceed. Uh, so, why lifestyle intervention as a means of trading hypertension for lifestyle? Because of five main reasons. The first reason is that we are in the midst of a chronic disease epidemic right now. Where cardiovascular diseases, meaning heart attack and stroke, which can be caused by high blood pressure. That, that's what makes high blood pressure significant. The fact that it can result in a heart attack or a stroke. Otherwise, it would bother us. But heart attack, strokes, as well as diabetes, which I discussed last week, together contribute significantly as a major cause of death in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. One in four people, one in every four people, have hypertension. Jamaica, Jamaica has a higher per capita rate of hypertension than the USA and Canada. Mm. And what that means is if you randomly take a hundred people from Jamaica and look at the amount of people in that hundred that has high blood pressure, it will consistently exceed that which would happen if you took a hundred people randomly from Canada or the United States. So we're in a serious situation as far as high blood pressure is concerned. The same thing applies to diabetes and stroke. We have higher per capita rates than United States and Canada. Another factor which is of utmost importance why we need to look at lifestyle intervention is into the high cost of medical care, which is on the increase. And as such, the average person has difficulty, you know, covering medical costs. Especially at this particular point in history where there's so much economic uncertainty. So having the information that can help you to at least apply some first-line remedy, either in combination with your medication or as a means of prevention, is useful in terms of helping the poor of society especially, as well as the person who just does like taking medication, a point which I'm coming to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The third point is why it's important to have lifestyle intervention is that conventional medicine is unable to adequately and appropriately manage these conditions. For example, only two out of three hypertensives will get their blood pressure normalized after taking medication. This means that for every three people who get hypertension and are prescribed medication, there will be one of them where the medication will not normalize the blood pressure. And 
I'm talking upwards when the maids are taking profit. Mm-hmm. Fourthly, another reason why, why it's important to have lifestyle um, changes to manage your blood pressure is simply the attitudes and practices of Jamaicans towards medicine. It's such that it predisposes them to further risk. For example, Hypertensive males who are diagnosed as, as having hypertension, 79% of them refuse to take the medication. Also, those males who are diagnosed with hypertension, only 30% of them actually are checking the pressure and seeing what's going on. In other words, 70% of them have no idea whatsoever as to what their blood pressure reading is at any point in time, even though they're not taking blood pressure medication. Now, you know, women seem to be more responsible than males are when it comes to medication, but they're not exactly off the hook because when it comes to cholesterol, you know, of the women who are diagnosed with having high cholesterol, 90% of them simply refuse to take the medication. And 87% of them have no clue of what is going on with their high cholesterol situation. So when we have this type of scenario, it's very important that we have other means at our available, um, that's available to us to um, resort to, to try to manage the condition. Um, another good reason to support lifestyle intervention is the fact that there is mounting evidence to suggest that healthy lifestyle will reduce the risk of chronic diseases such as hypertension. One popular study done in the archives of internal medicine showed that individuals who made lifestyle changes in improving the diet, starting to exercise, not smoking, and maintaining a healthy weight were at 80% less risk of developing these chronic diseases such as hypertension, heart disease, strokes, even cancer. Another study from the New England Journal showed that in diabetics or for people who are at risk of diabetes rather, making lifestyle changes was more effective in reducing the risk of developing diabetes than the most popular diabetic drug metformin. In fact, almost twice as effective according to the study. In the Lancet, Dr. Dean Hodge, 1990, successfully reversed heart disease using lifestyle intervention in over 80% of his clients. And he had also a control group, which were asked to just 
continue taking medical advice in the way that it's normally given to manage their heart disease. And whereas this group had an over 80% success rate of reversing heart disease, the other, con the other group, the control group on the other hand, got worse over time. So there are a myriad of reasons, solid reasons why lifestyle intervention is important whether you're on medication or not on medication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that is important to recognize with not just hypertension, but most chronic diseases, is that they are multifactorial in terms of their etiology. And what that means is that there's usually more than one factor contributing to the appearance of the condition. And we call those factors risk factors. In other words, the risk factors for hypertension are the factors which tend to raise the blood pressure. The first risk factor is your weight, and it is the most powerful risk factor. In other words, the more you weigh, is the more your pressure goes up. And the less you weigh, is the more your pressure comes down. So if you're hypertensive and you're overweight, or you have a bulging waistline, then the most important thing for you to do is to initiate a program to start shedding the weight. Now, of course, we have hypertensives who are skinny. So it simply means that that particular risk factor is not contributing to their hypertension, which is why we have various risk factors. And let me just say that what I'm doing on this program is just discussing some basic principles. If someone has a medical condition, such as hypertension, the professional thing to do is to first book a consultation so we can sit down together and explore what's going on with your lifestyle, which in most cases will, will tell or reveal why there is high blood pressure in the first place. And then we can design a specific program for the specific individuals because everybody brings something different to the table. Mm -hmm. Some will have hypertension and they are obese. Some will have hypertension but they are not obese. Some will have hypertension married with diabetes. Some will not. So we have to really deal with situations on a person-to-person -person basis. However, it is useful to understand the basic principles because Sometimes there are some fundamental things you can do as a matter of a first-line remedy or to support whatever it is your doctor has suggested. All right, so the second risk factor is what we call the sodium-potassium ratio. Now, what that simply means is the amount of sodium you have 
running around in your bloodstream compared to the amount of potassium. If you have a high sodium to potassium ratio, which means there's a lot of sodium in your body relative to potassium, then your blood pressure will rise. If on the other hand, you have a low sodium to potassium ratio, or conversely, a high potassium to sodium ratio, then your blood pressure will come down. The bottom line is, we want to reduce the sodium and increase the potassium to keep your pressure under control. Now, many people who have been faced with high blood pressure have been told at some stage in the game that they need to watch the salt. Mm-hmm. Now, salt is simply sodium chloride. And it's the sodium in the salt that's creating the higher risk of the blood pressure rising. And the reason why this is so is because sodium has an affinity for water. It attracts water. And it not only attracts it, but it hugs it up. So let's say you have had a pack of salted nuts. Then the sodium in the salt will start calling for water. So having eaten that pack of salted nuts, you feel thirsty. Now, when you drink that water, instead of that water simply coming in, quenching your thirst and passing back out, the sodium, which has a high affinity for water, hugs up the water and refuses to let it go, so to speak. So what the, the consequence of that is that your blood volume increases because you know, the water has to be somewhere in your body and the bloodstream is the most of it. Now, the consequence of having an increased blood volume, which means more water in your bloodstream, is that the heart will have a heavier load of fluid to push through the blood vessels, which will mean as the heart is trying to force this fluid through the blood vessels of a standard size, then greater pressure will be exerted on the walls of the blood vessels. And this is the relationship between sodium and blood pressure. So what it means is that not only do we need to be salt conscious, but we need to be sodium conscious. So for example, let's say you go into a pastry establishment or some establishment where pastry is sold. Yeah? And you say, for example, you would like a piece of pastry but you don't want any salt in mm-hmm. it because you're watching the salt. Mm. That pastry might have been baked with baking powder, which is sodium bicarbonate. So you're getting sodium again, which is going to run the risk of elevating your blood pressure. 
What it means is when we go into the supermarket to buy these packaged goods, we need as hypertensives to be checking the sodium level. See which ones are sodium free, see which ones are not. So it's not just the salt, it's sodium. Now on the other side of the cup, we have discovered that if your potassium level is high, then you can actually consume some amount of sodium in the diet and not have to worry because the potassium helps to regulate the sodium in a way so that the pressure remains normal. Which now begs the question, what are the foods that are high in potassium mm -hmm. and low in sodium? The answer to that is simple. All the food you see growing out there in nature, the fruits of the trees, the greens, the lettuces, spinach and so on, the nuts and the seeds, both above and below the earth, are all high potassium and low sodium and will all lower your blood pressure. The only exception might be celery because celery does contain some sodium, which it also contains a reasonable amount of potassium. So it's still within a reasonable margin of safety. So what I am saying is that if you have a diet where you're eating directly from nature, fruits, salads, raw nuts, and see your blood pressure will plummet in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what normally happens is mankind now takes the food from nature and cooks it. And when he cooks it, the food loses its flavor. It becomes bland. And then he goes for a dressing or the salt shaker. So he now starts to sodiumize the food. What some people say, sodiumize the food. <laughs> so the more cooked food you eat is the greater the possibility of your introducing sodium into the diet. And consequently, the greater the risk of your developing high blood pressure. So what it means on a practical level is that we need to increase the amount of fresh uncooked foods in our diet and decrease the amount of cooked foods. So instead of having the steamed fish or the peas and beans, with yam and then some rice and, you know, some piece of bamming and all of which should have had a little salt in it. You know, you want to think about having the peas and beans or the steam fish with some raw veggies, lettuce, tomato, cucumber, what have you. The other, another risk factor which is of importance is stress. 
Tavuti, Tavuti, I'm going to ask you to hold that. Hold that big one because that's a biggie. I'm going to take... A, right, it's a biggie. So we don't want to go into that. We're coming up on a break inside Singles Live on the Nation's Coolest, Cool 97 FM. Tonight, a very interesting topic. I am here, Dre, taking notes. I'm literally taking notes. And I realize that's what Dre's doing over there. Listeners, if you're joining us via the World Wide Web, thank you ever so much. If you have your questions, just type them in the Mix and Art chat room. For those persons who want to send in their questions, remember the text line. The text line number is 832-7879. That's 832-7879. We're going to go to a short break. And when we come back, the conversation continues right here on The Nation's Schoolest. We'll be right back. West Coast, Cool 97 FM is in your ear on 97.1 FM. Westmoreland, keep that cool vibe. Don't touch that dial. Singles live on the nation's coolest, Cool 97 FM. Tonight's topic, trading in hypertension for a healthier lifestyle. Tahuti is with us tonight, medical nutritionist. Tahuti, are you still there? Present. All right. Before, before we go into the big one, which is the stress factor, question for you in terms of hereditary. Is hypertension hereditary? Is it one of the ethological factors? My mother was hypertensive. I can be or could be hypertensive or my father was. So it predisposes me to. Or is it for the mere fact that we were all eating the same kind of foods and not necessarily hereditary? That's actually a very good question. Because what the research has been showing over and over over the years is that Parents not only hand on genes or chromosomes, they also hand on lifestyle practices. And when we look at parents who are hypertensive and their children who are hypertensive and so on, we see the children who are hypertensive having the same factors. They are guilty of the same risk factors as the parents, which cause hypertension. So hypertension, as well as all the other major chronic diseases, is more lifestyle-driven than hereditary. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there, and, and before even moving to the second point, I'll say I come from a family which it seems to have been that we had a genetic issue going on with hypertension because most of the family members, as I was growing up, recognized we were all suffering from hypertension. Myself, as a young teenager coming up, was told by one of those guys who made some blood pressure in the supermarket that by the time I'm 21, I will be hypertensive. So, I think we'll have it I moved more and more into healthful living and then, you know, changed my lifestyle. And I have never had hypertension. I have um, helped my mom when she was alive, who was 
hypertension most of her life. She just come off of the medication because she never needed them after she made her lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, even if there is a genetic thing going on, we still have the power to make the necessary lifestyle changes to manage our blood pressure. Um, there is a new field in science also, which is emerging, which is saying that even if you have genes which predispose you to a lifestyle condition, we have the power to turn those genes on or off through our lifestyle choices. So there's no excuse. And your needs not be a scapegoat being used by anyone. Mm-hmm. We need to accept personal responsibility for the condition and start making the necessary lifestyle changes that put the condition there in the first place or allows the condition to be driven into manifestation because you have genes that create some inclination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the answer to the question. So yes, it's, it's lifestyle. Lifestyle. Um, before no, was, a, another one for you before yes, we go okay. into the stress factor. No problem. Age range. Um, is there a particular age that the the the, the, the medical doctors um, focus on when it comes to hypertension? Is that are they seeing a trend when you get to that age, or is it throughout um, once you move out of your teenage life, or can you be a teenager and be hypertensive? No, um, as you get older, you tend to slow down, mm-hmm. and as you slow down, then your body will start become disproportionately distributed. Okay. Once you get a waistline which starts to protrude or you start to gain weight generally, then you become more at risk. Okay. Once you start to exercise less, then you become more at risk. Of course, um, that needs to be balanced with the fact that we are living in a technological age where we have to move faster and faster to remain at the same place financially. And a lot of people have high stress lifestyles because of the time in which we're living. And that within itself has changed the statistics and increased hypertension and is one of the reasons why we're in a chronic disease epidemic. Another factor, of course, is the emergence of all these fast food outlets, which, you know, not pointing fingers to any particular one, and I know that some of them do sell some good stuff, but the fact of the matter is that most of those fried foods, especially the ones fried in the corn oil and soy oil, are definitely we're going to increase the risk of blood pressure fissures, especially those who are already on the obese side. So um, it's mostly the older people. Okay, okay, understandable. Um, before we go into the stress, I have to run through some of these questions. You, you, you For example, you hear persons um, saying, boy, I feel like I'm having a headache. Is there any symptoms 
that your pressure is high or is it considered one of the silent killers? All right, it is considered as one of the silent killers, although it's actually not silent. If you are someone who has learned to listen to your body, you can tell in most instances that your pressure is on the right. Mm -hmm. Now, it needs to be said that the only way to know for sure is to measure the blood pressure. So I recommend to people that if you think you're at risk at any time and you might not be on medication, to travel with a blood pressure measuring device. So you can always measure to know for sure whether that headache is related to an elevated blood pressure or something else, because there are a myriad of reasons that can result in a headache. True, true that. Um, and 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 something that I that I've noticed that to get, and it's something that I think should be readily available for an individual to check their blood pressure. Reg regularly and it should be available but I don't think it's readily available I don't think so you, yeah you have to go to your medical practitioner you cannot just walk anywhere unless you're going to buy a machine for yourself um, right. right Right. you'd have to buy well, one for yourself in quite a few right so you need if you feel that you're um, ex predisposed to or you know you have high 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 blood pressure it's best to get your own device so that you can for many, check reasons. For many reasons yes yes so we're moving into the biggie and that is stress the stress yes, obviously we experience stress then the heart is put into overdrive and the blood flow then becomes increased and exerts more pressure on the walls and the arteries that your pulse races and so on. So managing stress is a very important part of the lifestyle management of hypertension. And many people um, who experience hypertension, whether they are obese or not, tend to have some level of stress going on in the background. So we know it's a major contributor. Now, the first thing to recognize is that stress or demand placed on the body are unavoidable. Yeah? You may have seen a stressful job. And the solution is not necessarily to say that I can just resign my job tomorrow because my job is stressful. So what we have learned is that the best way of dealing with stress is to try to transform your stress, not even manage it, because managing it means that you are accepted, that it will always be there and it will always be a problem for you. And you just have to do the things you need to do to keep the problem under control. When there is an alternative where you can through a variety of techniques, actually transform the stress so that what was originally perceived as stressful can now be seen as something that is there for your growth and can be used appropriately as a means 
of helping you to become a stronger and better person. And you have a variety of meditative techniques and so on to do that. So the first thing is perception. You can have a situation, for example, where there's one particular stressor that enters the room with three people. As a result, one person is completely stressed. The other, another is totally relaxed. And the third is somewhere in between. And that's because of the belief system. The belief system that we inherit determines how we relate to situations and whether we feel stressed or not. So, for example, if we are in a family, let's say mommy, daddy, and there is the son. And mommy and daddy just received a letter from the landlord that they're in is going to double. And then mommy starts to hold on to her heart and call out to Jesus. Daddy gets up and he starts to hop and pop and raise the roof. And it's all about what are we going to do? And then the child is observing all of this quietly. Then you take another family who gets that same letter, mommy, daddy, and the child. And then mommy says, well, you know, daddy, maybe it's time to explore probably moving and living at the edge of town. Maybe the air up here is cleaner, you know, healthier for our child, you know, and then the rain is less. And then daddy says, mm-hmm, good point, or maybe we could probably talk to the landlord and see if we can work out something where we accept some responsibility for taking care of the place and then probably we can negotiate the rent. And then mommy says, great idea, or maybe we could think about buying that little piece of land that we're looking at. And then the child mm-hmm. is observing mm-hmm. all of it wisely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When those two children grow up, there's a very good likely possibility that the first child is going to be more at risk of hypertension than the second child because of the way one handles quote-unquote stressful situations. situations. Yes. The other thing we find is that there are intimate relationships between stress and exercise. All exercise, every one of them, reduce stress. It is a fact that some exercises, in particular yoga, especially when accompanied by meditation, are extremely effective in reducing stress. And we actually have studies on that. So if there are people who are interested in yoga stretches, yoga exercises, meditation, and they are at a risk of hypertension, that is certainly a good way to go in terms of an exercise choice. But all exercise will help to reduce stress levels, and they reduce stress levels in a variety of ways. One, they cause the production of feel-good chemicals from the brain called endorphins. And these endorphins sort of create what's called an exercise high, the runner's high, and so on. Two, they increase Exercise increases lung capacity, and in so doing, more oxygen is brought into the bloodstream, 
and carry around the body, and that relaxes the body. Three, you get a, get a sense of confidence and satisfaction that you have done something beneficial for your health at the end of an exercise session. And that too is relaxing. Exercise also is beneficial in terms of losing weight, which as I said previously, is the single most important risk factor in lowering blood pressure. And exercise will lower weight in a variety of ways. Firstly, the more you move is the more calories you burn. Secondly, exercise converts body fat to muscle. And muscle burns calories more efficiently than fat does. So if you don't exercise and you allow your body to turn to jello, so to speak, then the meals which normally would not be weight gaining will now become weight gaining. Exercises also which heat up the body will help to curb or suppress the appetite for about so exercises such as jogging, you know, um, aerobics, a lot of the stuff you do in the gym can tone down the appetite a little bit and you may even find yourself missing a meal as a result. Whereas exercises which cool the body down can increase the appetite. So you jump into the ocean, you're doing a lot of swimming, you come out of the water, you feel rather chilled and the first thing that's on your mind is going to that fish place and grabbing some festivals or whatever is available. Mm -hmm. So, how you choose your exercise is very important in terms of managing your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Stress also depends on the quality of your sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, sleep in and of itself, if you do not get adequate sleep, sleep in and of itself can independently raise your blood pressure. So, the first thing is that if you exercise rigorously and adequately and regularly, as long as it's not within three hours of bedtime, there's a very good chance that will help you to fall asleep and remain asleep and have a deeper level of sleep. True. Very so, much so. Very important mm -hmm. relationship between exercise and sleep. And both of them can help in reducing blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So by getting proper sleep, it helps to lower your stress level. As your body is now rested, your organs are recharged and are rejuvenated and are ready to take on the stresses of the day. The next lifestyle factor that can raise the blood pressure are coffee, or caffeine, actually, because caffeine is not only in coffee, it's in Red Bull, it's in tea, it's, it's in BC, you know. So both caffeine and nicotine can raise the blood pressure. So if you're hypertensive and you're a coffee drinker, 
you need to explore what the coffee is doing in Paris. Coffee with some people also, even if it's drunk or consumed in the morning, can lead to nocturnal insomnia, difficulty sleeping at night, which will then raise the blood pressure. So we need to watch the caffeine from whatever sources. Um, as I said, it's also in tea, green tea. It's certainly in Red Bull, and it's also in tea, which is a herb that um, many Jamaicans use. Nicotine also, if you smoke, will increase the amount of plaques in your arteries and cause a narrowing of the blood vessel, which will mean there will be less space for the blood to flow, and then the pressure on the walls of the arteries will consequently be higher. So we also don't want to be smoking if we are at risk of high blood pressure. The final main risk factor is having a low calcium or low magnesium level. Both calcium and magnesium, if they are low, will cause an increase in the blood pressure. So it's very important for hypertensive to have a diet where they have reasonable sources of calcium and magnesium. It's important to recognize that although we were told that dairy products are a great source of calcium, we need to elaborate by saying that they may be a good source of calcium, but not accumulatable calcium. Because when you depend on dairy products for calcium, the calcium which you absorb is excreted from your urine, plus some. And it's because whenever you have diets which are high in protein, and there is high in protein, you have a diet also which is high in meat. It does the same thing. High protein means that when the protein breaks down, it breaks down into amino acids, and your body becomes acidic. What the body does, when your body becomes acidic is to look for a buffer, a neutralizer for the acidity. And calcium is an excellent neutralizer. So the body then leaches calcium from your bones to neutralize the acidity from the high protein and puts it in the bladder to be excreted as urine. And we discovered this when we looked at studies where laboratory animals were fed diets high in protein and it was noted that we were excreting a lot of calcium. So we want to get our calcium from assimilatable sources. Assimilatable meaning not only do we digest it in the digestive tract, but we actually absorb it in our body completely. Our greens are an excellent source of calcium. Anything that's green is a good source of calcium. And the one of the best greens, because the green eggs is the more calcium, is moringa. Mm -hmm. Moringa leaves are very cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, and 
if you try to grow a little moringa plant in your yard, in no time you can start harvesting. It's one of the fastest growing trees. And then just using the leaves in your green juice or even sprinkling it on your rice and peas will be bringing some calcium into your diet. The only exception of green you need to be careful of is spinach. Mm. You know, because spinach, you know, can compromise your iron level. It has the calcium, but it can compromise your, your iron level. So we need to be careful about that. Um, other sources of calcium, which are very useful, are your nuts. And I'm particularly talking about raw nuts and seeds rather than the fried ones which are understand which can lead to hypertension and other problems because of the fat which are associated with them so you know having raw nuts and seeds are very useful the walnuts in particular because it's high in omega-3 and omega-3 is a nutrient a fatty acid which is anti-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory foods will reduce inflammation in your body. And hypertension is usually associated with inflammation. Also, anti-inflammatory foods like walnuts and flaxseed and your greens, which are also anti-inflammatory, will help to preserve or renew the elasticity of your blood vessels. So it's very important because one of the things that can lead to hypertension is the hardening of the arteries. In other words, your arteries, instead of being very elastic, so they can stretch and absorb the stretches, are hardened. And this can also happen if you have a high cholesterol level. Okay? And when it's hardened and it's and then the heart needs to be pumping increased blood through the blood vessel. Then the resistance of the blood vessel wall becomes higher. And then the pressure becomes higher. So one of the things we want to do is to have good calcium sources. Also, we want to get whole grains, cereals, etc. rather than the processed ones. Um, for good calcium sources. As far as magnesium is concerned, all of the above that I just spoke about are high in magnesium. You know, you can get magnesium in high quantities in nuts and your green. So, having stated these risk factors, we can now look at some special foods and herbs which are useful for hypertension. And with Not that, as a, as a cure. right, Tahuti, I'm going to say that you're going to hold that thought. It is sure. coming up on another break. We're going to take the break and then we will pick up right from there. Interesting times are ahead and our listeners joining us on the World Wide Web. Thank you ever so much. I am taking notes. I am making 
<laughs> yes, I am. I'm, I'm making sure to take my notes so that I know our listeners will be calling us come tomorrow and asking questions. But guess what? This show comes Saturday because tomorrow we work on it. Tomorrow you'll you'll find it on our podcast. So don't worry, not yourself. If you missed any of the pointers, then you can go on cool97fm.com and look for or podcasts and look for singles live. You can't miss it. It is there. So worry not yourself. You're not going to miss any pointers that Tahuti is making tonight. We're going to take the break. It is now 10.30 on the clock. We'll be right back. Singles Live on the Nation School at Ku 97 FM and we're moving into another segment courtesy of Evergrow Garden Center. Evergrow Garden Center, when you want it to grow, call the pro. They are the experts. They are located at 12 South Avenue in Kingston. Let them help you master your home gardening skills and nurture healthy, beautiful plants. It's a perfect way to de-stress while you mow that gift of the green thumb and encourage the love of nature in your family if you are just joining us tonight's topic trading in hypertension for a healthier lifestyle and we have with us tahuti are you there i am present yes and we are ready to roll okay so as i said we are certain special food and herbs which are useful in the management of hypertension, but they should not be seen as cured. What we really want to focus on more than anything else is the lifestyle in its entirety. We don't want to be just taking some herb or deciding to exercise but not sleep properly. Mm-hmm. We want to bring everything together as discussed. The combination of the various lifestyle factors that creates that synergism that causes the pressure to start plummeting downward. As it certainly will once you perform the appropriate lifestyle factors in over 90% of the cases I would suggest. Now, I had mentioned earlier that foods which are high in potassium and low in sodium are good for lowering the blood pressure. So there are certain foods which are extremely high in potassium, which would then be very good to include on any hypertension-reducing program. Ripe banana is certainly one of them. Ripe banana is high in potassium. But then so is avocado. In fact, ounce for ounce, avocado has more potassium than ripe banana. And coconut meat is also extremely high in potassium. So incorporating banana, avocado, and coconut meat in your diet is one way to start pulling that pressure down. Of course, the most effective coconut meat is the one which is the firmest and the thickest, which is that from the dry coconut. And you can just simply crack open that dry coconut 
and you can chop up the meat and put it into your little bullet and with a little coconut water added to that you can blend strain it if necessary or if your bullet is strong enough bring it to a creamy meat and then consume that and that would be a shot of potassium you can go further with it but i will mention as i'm talking about the herbs that's how you can go further with that particular recipe as far as the herbs are concerned the most convincing herb so far is still garlic garlic is as powerful as atenolol in reducing blood pressure and it's appropriate to take the garlic not just chewing it and swallowing it as that's abrasive to your gastrointestinal lining but blending it with something or chopping it up in your salad um turmeric root is anti-inflammatory as is ginger and because of that in an indirect way by reducing inflammation they can also help to reduce your blood pressure guinea hen wheat mm-hmm. petiviria aliasia that's the botanical name it's also called stoppage of water in jamaica um it's very similar to garlic the garlic is allium sativum that's the botanical name and the sativum uh, sorry the allium in garlic is called allium because it contains a principle called allicin and it is the allicin in the garlic that presents that blood pressure lowering effect guinea hen wheat is petiviria aliasia in the aliasia is that same principle called aliasia which is in the garden so by taking say the roots of the guinea hen wheat plant and blending it in your green juice because most of the principles are in the root not in the leaf mm-hmm. then that too will create a fairly reasonable blood pressure lowering effect now here's a very powerful mix that can not only be great for lowering blood pressure but also great for inflammation simply get that dry coconut chopping up about half of it with a finger of turmeric root fresh turmeric root a clove or two of garlic with coconut water and then you blend and strain how does it taste the less garlic you put in the nicer it is but it's a very very effective anti-inflammatory and it's useful also for lowering the blood pressure it's called the golden milk the golden milk for those who don't know that is called the golden milk the golden milk yes yes so those herbs are some of the most important herbs and food for lowering the blood pressure Mm -hmm. many herbs you see over the net but a lot of them are not 
convincing in the research. I have merely highlighted the ones which are very convincing in the research. Now, it needs to be pointed out that we are living in a time where we are in the midst of a pandemic and there is an issue being hypertensive mm-hmm. as far as COVID is concerned. You know, if you have uncontrolled hypertension or hypertension which is untreated, then there is a much greater risk of having complications as a result of getting COVID. Okay, and there is no proof that vaccination will necessarily prevent it. So it's very important that at this particular point in history, hypertension, pay attention and do whatever is necessary to adjust the lifestyle so that the pressure can be controlled. Certainly within the level of 140 over 90. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? One question for oh. you. Question for you before we okay. move on. Whether the heat, is it a contributing factor to elevated blood pressure? Heat? Yes, as in the sun hot. When the, sun, oh, when the no, temperature... No, 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 not, not, not at all. And in fact, sunlight is beneficial indirectly for blood pressure because sunlight produces vitamin D in the body. And vitamin D helps your immune system to function adequately. In fact, let me just show some fairly new research that they have been discovering. If your immune system is not functioning properly and it's overactive, that overactive immune system can lead to an elevated blood pressure. Now, I had spoken on the immune system on one of the previous programs. Yes. And that probably, you know, can be found on the podcast. Yes, it you can. Know? So mm-hmm. we also want to pay attention to the immune system when we're thinking about hypertension. Okay, so again, I want to emphasize that these are fundamental principles that I'm discussing. If somebody has a medical issue, if somebody has hypertension, for example, you're on medications, the medications are not working and you want the lifestyle support, we book a consultation and then we explore the lifestyle and develop a program for bringing your hypertension under control. All one needs to have is a blood pressure measuring machine. Mm-hmm. Which, as I mentioned earlier, can be had from pharmacy. From pharmacy. Or, yes, or you can shop online and, and get it. Um, hold that thought, Shahuti, before we wrap things up. want to remind you that this segment is brought to you by Evergo Garden Center. Remember, as Jamaicans, we must continue our efforts to grow what we eat and eat what we grow. And sure. at Evergrow, they are the ultimate one-stop shop. You can get everything for your farming, gardening, and growing needs. You can call them at 876-906-9916 or 876-906-9160. Yes, so 
need to pay attention, very close attention to what our bodies are saying to us. We need not allow what someone says in terms of hereditary, that sort of thing, calling things over your life. As Tahuti mentioned, we have control. We have control. And we have the power. And we have the power. And it is through our perception. Our perception plays a vital role in how we control our stress levels. Because we can't get rid of stress, you know. I don't even, yeah, we can't. And, and, and Tahuti has mentioned that we don't, we're not even talking about control, but kind of just to shift our perception. Yeah. To Correct. shift our, yes. Not just shift how we see things. Yes, and that's very important. Is there anything else that In you fact, want to add? Our challenge is a gift from the universe to help us to grow spiritually. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, that is growing spiritually. So you don't see the challenges of life. You see them as life lessons. You don't see them as challenges. You see them as lessons. And then you, you take away what you need to take away from them and move on to the next. Right? Sure. Anything you want to add, Tahuti, before we wrap? Uh, um, I just want to emphasize that there's no magic bullet way out of it. Mm -hmm. You really need to do the work. You know, you need to get out there and exercise. You need to start the process of evolving your diet and proper sleep, sunlight, and include as many lifestyle factors as possible. And we really also need to recognize that the immune system might be a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. My takeaway tonight, Dre, is that eventually, after a period of time, the medication that you get for hypertension does not seem to help. So it doesn't work for two or how many how many persons you had mentioned earlier, Tahuti, that it really doesn't work for after a period of time. It doesn't one in every three. Oh, one in every three. One in every three. Yes, one in... Some authorities have gone as far as saying one in, only one in two. But when I look at the data, I'm seeing one in three. One in three. Mm-hmm. Yes, so lifestyle change is imperative. It is important. And I know a lot of people who have been on medication for, for, for high blood pressure, and they still can't keep it, keep their get their blood pressure down. And you notice, and I've noticed that, hey, these people not eating properly, up to afraid of sunlight. They don't even want to go outside in the sun. They don't want to exercise. They continue to consume the bread, the bun. They may say, okay, I'm cutting back on the table salt, the salt itself. But the bread, the bun, the bulla, everything. Except too much meat is a problem. Too much meat too. Yes, yes. And yes. too much meat and dairy because they're high in protein can put pressure on the kidneys mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Now, if your kidney stops functioning optimally, you know, your doctor might say, hey, I'm seeing protein in your, your kidney. I'm seeing that your bone and your creatinine level, which are markers of kidney function, are going out of range. Then what can happen? when your kidney stops functioning properly is that it stops regulating the minerals such as the sodium and the potassium adequately 
and then your blood pressure starts to rise. Mm -hmm. And then if you have to take a pharmacy because while that is happening, that might also put pressure on the kidneys themselves. So you get in what vicious cycle of having a kidney problem and elevated blood pressure and having to take pharmaceuticals which might be messing with your kidney at the same time. Well, learned a lot. We learned a lot tonight, Tahuti. I have my little my paper full. <laughs> paper <laughs> full. Yes, we learned a lot. Wanna thank you so much for taking time out to spend this quality time with us, enlightening us and giving us some well needed information that we will hold on to and of course we will share with others. Uh, for those persons who want to reach Tahuti, you know how to reach me. And once you reach me, I will have you reach out to him. Yes, yes. So, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And continue to do what you are doing. It is absolutely amazing. And I, and I, and I admire you for the wealth of information that you have. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Thank you. And we will talk soon. Singles live on the Nation School Est, Coo 97 FM. Once again, saying thank you to Evergrow Garden Center. Evergrow Garden Center, remember their friendly staff is ready to help you with everything you need for your beautiful gardens. And for your farm, remember that you can get your ceramic pots, fertilizers, plants and seedlings, greenhouse structures, so, so much more at Evergrow Garden Center. Cool 97. Radio. Radio.